I'm Stephen. And I'm Kevin. And in today's episode of The Stephen and Kevin Show, we talk about robo-advisors, the future of the industry, and even barbecue with our special guest, Tosh Elwin, the president of the private client group at Raymond James. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 17 of the Stephen and Kevin Show, and we have a special treat for you today. Yeah, we've got a solid interview lined up today with Tosh Elwin, who is the president of the private client group at Raymond James & Associates. We've got a lot of respect for Tosh as a thought leader in the industry and uh, very fortunate to have him. Welcome, Tosh. Thank you, gentlemen. It's uh, it's a real privilege and an honor to, uh, to chat with you today. Well, I was thinking this morning, Tosh, I'm in, I'm in the middle of what I feel like is a, a pretty busy day for me, right? And, and I'm thinking, you know, for Tosh, this would be just a drop in the bucket. He's got a lot going on. <laughs> did, I, did I understand correctly that you still have some clients you work with personally? I do. I do. I, uh, I began my career with Raymond James just a touch over 22 years ago and began as a financial advisor trainee. And the, the one constant for me during my, my tenure thus far with Raymond James has been that I've continued to be a financial advisor. And uh, it's, it's really, at, at the end of the day, it's, it's what gets me out of bed in the morning is this tremendous pride that I have in what I've done as a financial advisor and then speaking more broadly, the pride I have in our entire profession that whereas I, I think so many mistakenly view the financial services industry as exactly that in the industry where they've become overly focused on the two components of an industry which is manufacturing and distribution Mm -hmm. they've lost sight of the fact that products whether they manufacture them or not are not products but in actuality they should be viewed as solutions and advisors do exactly that they give advice advisors are not distribution per se and so I've I've always had this this pride that what we do as financial advisors is is a profession and it's not just a profession but even more so it's uh, it's a noble profession that's arguably second only to what a physician may do in terms of positively impacting their patient's physical well-being or if someone is of faith what their their pastor or their rabbi or minister may do to positively impact someone's spiritual well-being what we do as financial advisors to positively impact our clients' financial well-being, I think it's I think it's critically important. And so I, uh, throughout my career, have uh, enjoyed the most continuing to work with clients and serve clients. And then, as an extension of what I do in my management role at my firm and others do at other firms, that support we provide to our advisors in turn, I think, extends that, that societal impact that we all have an opportunity to create. I love it. I think that's, that's great stuff, Tosh. And I think it's got to keep your hand in it, meaning you're, you're doing it and you're, you're coaching as well. So um, that's great. Now, um, when we get started today, let's start with a little bit of macro today, kind of 35,000 foot you know, uh, view. We know that uh, we follow you on Twitter and, and on LinkedIn and, and other social outlets. Um, we know you're as current as anyone out there, Tosh. So from your perspective, we wanted to know, what do you feel like are some of the biggest game changers for the future of this profession? 
Well, I think as you, you take a step back and you really look at the, the landscape ahead of us, there's, there's two game changers in particular that are really going to influence the future of the profession. The first being technology. Mm-hmm. The second being changing demographics, demographics that I'll, I'll touch on more in a moment. But if we come back to technology first, you know, I, I need only think back to when I began my career in the early 90s as a financial advisor to sitting in that bullpen, that quad bullpen that I was in that many of the listeners and viewers of, of this will recall where in that quad bullpen, I was there with three other colleagues and we had a single Quotron. It wasn't even a computer. A single Quotron sitting on a swivel in the middle and Quotron. having to master that uh, that art of small talk. That if someone wanted something as simple as a real time quote, I had to arm wrestle that Quotron away from my colleagues to be able to type in <laughs> KO or HD. And it is I kind of step back from that that flashback I just described. The the takeaway from that, as you think about these game changers, is that. In the decades leading up to and including the 90s, the competitive advantage that so many of us relied on as financial advisors was what I'll call access to information. It was if you wanted that real-time quote, Mm. you had to come through us. Mm -hmm. And as you fast forward, as technology has continued to evolve and we moved into the late 90s, access to information was very quickly commoditized and disintermediated. And as a profession, we evolved, we raised our game, and if you oversimplify it today, I think many of us would agree that the primary competitive advantage today has evolved from access to information to now being access to asset allocation. Mm -hmm. And that, too, is now at risk as technology continues to evolve, what we would now call robo-advisor, and once again, that competitive advantage is being eroded through commoditization and disintermediation and pricing pressure. So the continued evolution of technology is absolutely going to be a game changer. Uh, I think it's much more of an, an opportunity for us than it is a threat, but it will be a game changer nonetheless. And then on the other side of the coin, it's, it's demographics. And as I say demographics, it's not only client demographics of clients are clearly living longer than ever before, and that creates tremendous complexity in terms of financial planning as you contemplate having to create retirement income and focus more on longevity management Mm -hmm. than perhaps the industry had to in years past. But then in tandem with that, it's also advisor demographics, and the client of the future is going to look very different than the stereotypical client of today, both in terms of gender as well as ethnicity. They're going to be more diverse, more tech savvy. We're going to have the largest transfer of wealth in history. And I think all of that is going to change the expectations that the investing public has from our profession. Right. And one of the questions that we're asking people right now as it relates to this big transition is, are you as an advisor right now relatable to this next gen client, mm-hmm. and for a lot of them, it's a look in the mirror to say, you know what, I'm I'm, I'm maybe not keeping up with technology, right? Or maybe I'm not relevant. Maybe I'm still in that buying and selling mode, and it's uh, you know, it's an industry as a whole in transition. Agreed, and I and I think therein 
lies both the challenge as well as the opportunity. And the challenge is, as our competitive advantages are eroded and disintermediated yet again, how do we evolve? But therein also lies the opportunity because technology, robo, whatever one wants to refer to it as, if, if you really peel back the onion and look at it, what, what it really speaks to is the opportunity that we have as a profession to leverage technology in such a way that we can automate what it is the computer does best, which is analyze data mm -hmm. and streamline processes. And then in so doing, we can be liberated to do what the human financial advisor does best, which is engage human to human mm -hmm. and deepen the relationship, which is something that technology still can't replace. And then in turn, by being liberated, we have the capacity as professionals to really elevate our practice and extend the value that we're adding to our clients' lives, first and foremost, to be able to better positively impact the financial well-being of our clients, but then secondly also to build a, a deeper moat around your business, if you will, to protect against the competitive threat both of other advisors in our communities as well as to deepen the moat versus the, the potential competitive threat of self-serve and robo, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of what you're saying is it's a, it's a big wake-up call for a lot of advisors to say, you know, let's get real clear on the value that you offer to clients, especially in light of some of the technology solutions that are that are coming out. I like deep in the moat. I like yeah. that. I like it's a great analogy. Yeah, it's so funny, too, is you look at some of the, the robo-alternatives out there, which, as we all know, have gotten a lot more buzz in our industry than they have with the general public at this point. But you know, we, we kind of uh, we stay on the newsletter list of all these different robo companies because we're curious of what they're pumping out. And one of the things we printed out and passed around our office, Tosh, was the fact that they said clearly at this point we're not really built out to handle a ten million dollar account or a five million dollar account. Exactly. Uh, keep you you need, in fact, a good financial advisor to help you make retirement planning decisions and so on. So it's interesting that you know even they recognize they're not an end all solution for right. for our market. Well, I think I think that's a great observation, and and what's exciting to me, what, what's genuinely really exciting to me about robo and technology and this continued evolution is it's twofold. It's one that I truly believe that the continued evolution of technology and robo is going to create better experiences and better outcomes for those that prefer the self-service model. But then, more importantly, is the the capacity that that's going to bring, as I described a moment ago, mm -hmm. to the human advice side of the profession where we can really harness these same technologies in such a way that not only is it not going to replace the human advisor, but it's actually, as I described a moment ago, it's going to liberate that human advisor to have more capacity to do the things that we can uniquely do, something as, as simple but as significant as an advisor having a, a cup of coffee with a widower that you know is just dying to get out of the house and, and talk, or having a, a meeting with a husband and wife who have just sent their only child off to college and have now found themselves as empty nesters, and they're, they're contemplating the next chapter of their life, both uh, personally and, and financially. And being able to engage in that way by leveraging technology rather than viewing technology as, uh, as a competitive threat. Mm -hmm. I, I love Good that viewpoint. Hey, shifting gears just a just a moment here on on technology. We uh, we follow, as Kevin mentioned, your 
your LinkedIn and your Twitter, uh, Tosh, and someone told me once, and you can, I'm sure you can verify this, you manage your own accounts. That's you actively, actually on there doing all this. Is that is that accurate? That That is true. I think it's, it's very important in everything we do as financial advisors and professionals, and and this is a bit of an overused term that I'm going to use, but nonetheless, I think it's the right term, and that is that it's important to be authentic and to be real. And I view social media as, as an opportunity to differentiate Raymond James. It's an opportunity to differentiate myself, both in terms of how I engage with and communicate with my own clients, with our financial advisors, even for that matter, with prospective advisors from other firms. And so for that, that very reason, uh, virtually everything that, that I post online, whether it be LinkedIn or Twitter, uh, is an original thought on my own part. And certainly I'm, I'm leveraging the resources of our firm, as I would encourage uh, the viewers of this to leverage the resources of their respective firms as well, rather than reinventing the wheel. But it's, it's all original content. And I think what that really ties into is that at every single one of our firms, there are platforms and resources and technologies that exist today that, speaking of game changers, could absolutely be game changers for our respective businesses. It will add value to the client experience and outcome. I think it can help us strengthen our businesses and grow our businesses, but where the rubber really meets the road is in getting out of our, our comfort zones, if you will, and establishing a new comfort zone. And that takes a, a willingness uh, to reach out and ask for help and to begin leveraging these resources. And that's exactly what I've done as you use this example with social media is I made a commitment to really incorporate it into my communications. Mm -hmm. And in the past couple of years, I, I've been able to build up a, a fairly decent Twitter following and, mm -hmm. and LinkedIn network, where, as I said, I do share updates uh, about our advisors, about barbecue, another one of my passions, and so forth. But just when you, when you think you've arrived, as active as I've been on social media, and I like to joke, but it's true that my daughter's best friend's dead hamster is still beating me in terms of followers. And <laughs> so that's a, it's a nice way to stay grounded. Yeah, exactly right. And I know you've seen it. Uh, you've seen the evolution of it in, in your own posting and the interaction that you get on all of, <clears throat> all of your posts, but also with advisors. I'm sure you're seeing with your firm like we're seeing with advisors all over the place. There's a heck of a lot more success stories when using LinkedIn and Facebook and other technologies now than there were maybe five years ago. Yeah, agreed. And, and I think it's also important as people, whether they're leveraging social media or other types of, of networking and, and prospecting activities, to also keep the, uh, the spirit of the, the concept give and take in mind. And that's uh, one of the, uh, I think, the more insightful books that I've read mm -hmm. in uh, the last couple of years was Adam Grant's book, Give and Take. And yep. so I also try to make social media more about others than I try to make it about myself. And I think the, the better you can be an advocate for those around you, whether they are centers of influence or other people that you're networking with, and make it less about yourself, I think that's also going to resonate better and then ultimately uh, create a win-win for more people. 
That's right. Uh, narcissism is a social media killer. Sounds like an article I read one time. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's very true. And you think about yeah. the financial advisors in any given community, they're as connected as anyone. And their right. networks could be so beneficial to others around them. And sometimes we get so obsessed with the idea of just pushing out content as opposed to engaging and interacting. And, and people are starved for that kind of engagement interaction online. And when you give it to them, they definitely notice. Gosh, right. And they, you know, thank you so much for, for being part of this today. We're honored to have you on the call, and, and thank you for participating. We'll look forward to, to having you back at some point. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I, uh, I really enjoyed being with you today and uh, look forward to continuing to be a viewer myself of your continued podcast. All right. Hey, one quick question before we end, before we end, Tosh. You said you're a big fan of, of barbecue. You know, we're here in North Carolina. We're you know Eastern-style, vinegar-based barbecue. What's, what's your favorite barbecue, hands down? So my, uh, my favorite meat okay. would be smoked pork butt. But, and I'm not just saying this because you're in Eastern North Carolina. <laughs> My favorite sauce is absolutely the uh, the vinegar sauce from your part of the world. Awesome. Very nice. I just got a, an electric smoker myself, Tasha. I know it's a little bit of a, a cheater technique, but it made a delicious pulled pork the other day. Well, I'm, uh, I'm cheating right alongside you because about six months ago I got an electric smoker myself. Right. And uh, I, I love being able to sleep in and not have to mop it every hour. There you go. <laughs> hey, thanks again. Hey, Enjoy thanks your again. day. Thank you, gentlemen. You too.